nothing can really prepare you for this moment. It's humbling. I'm really excited for what God's going to do, not because of me, but because of you. That's what it's about. It's about you. It's about us coming together. It's about us growing together so we can go out. We can change our worlds, change our houses or our homes, our neighborhoods, our schools, our jobs. That's what it's about, and that's what I'm really excited about. So my name is Jake. Hello. I know, I do know a lot of you because I grew up here. I grew up at Res, like this the children's church, youth group. I've been attending Access, so I know you. So to be here is kind of surreal. But what I have to do is I have to thank Pastor Kurt because I've been learning and growing under him for the last however long you've been here, three and a half years. And it's been a privilege, and I've grown so much from you. And the way that you and your team have built and created an atmosphere of love and of acceptance of everyone is priceless. Because, let's be real, not a lot of us remember all of your sermons. Like, they're good, but I mean, like, <laughs> we don't remember all of them. You gotta take notes. But, <laughs> but what we do remember is the atmosphere that, and the environment that we feel when we walk in. And that is purposeful, it's not on accident. So thank you for that. It makes it very easy for someone to come in and speak because all of your hearts are already in the right place because of the culture that we've created here, that you and your team have created here. So most of, um, some of you might have known, they made an announcement, I just got married. <laughs> Shoot. Oh, and happy Cinco de Mayo, everyone. Um, <laughs> My beautiful, wonderful, amazing wife, Abigail, who's over there, raise your hand. She won't stand up probably, but she is amazing. She puts up with me, and if you know me, I'm very weird, and I'm kind of goofy, and I'm even more goofy when it's just me and her, so she puts up a lot, so I love her with all of my heart, with all of my heart. So just kick things off today. Um, what I want to do is play you a little, I'm not going to sing, but a song is going to be played. I'm not going to sing. Don't worry about that. A little song is going to be played. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Come on, I know you know it. Come on. Oh, that bass is nice. Here you go, Ronzi. <laughs> cool. I needed to lighten the mood up for myself. That's why I planned that. So, What is Love by Hathaway. What is Love? And consequently, that is the title of our message today. What is Love? You're going to have to excuse me because I actually just finished student teaching. I was going to school to be a teacher, elementary school teacher. So you're going to have to excuse me because I'm going to use some of my classroom management and learning tools on you. By the way, do we have any uh, teachers or aspiring teachers here today? Give them a round of applause, everyone. Seriously. I just finished. I was in Grand Rapids Public, fourth grade. I was only there for one semester. I'll tell you what. Elementary school teachers, high school teachers are amazing. They give so much, and they get nothing almost in return. Their hearts are like gold. So when you see a teacher, if you have kids and they're in school, give their teacher a hug, and maybe five bucks, because they don't get paid a lot. 
So I'm going to use some of my tools on you. Just one. Don't worry about it. So what I believe about learning is that we learn from thinking. You actually can't learn anything from hearing. The only way you learn is if you think. And one good way to think is to talk. So what I want you to do is turn to someone by you. If you have no one by you, I guess you can talk to yourself, but <laughs> talk. This is the key. With 10 words or less, try to explain to your person you're talking to what love is. 10 words or less. Ready, go. I wasn't planning on that, but that was awesome. Thank you. I sometimes speak in the zone, which are the 180 now. It's fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, and that works perfect for them. I'm glad it works for you, too. So what is love? What is love? So this is a question that some of you might be able to define, but the problem is, is that there's probably going to be different answers that you were talking about. You might have been talking about that love is like a romantic love. It's like an emotion. It's that feeling that you have for someone, the love. I love you like I love my wife. It's that romantic love. You might have talked about like a brotherly love, like, hey, bro, I love you. I love you, bro. You might have talked about maybe a, like, fatherly or a motherly love you might have talked about like you love things like you enjoy things like we say that a lot our culture does that a lot actually we say I love lamp <laughs> for example some of you might have gotten that some of you might not have gotten that Ronzi obviously got that one <laughs> so I love football or I love shopping or I love shoes or I love Socks. So that's another kind of love. So there's like, you know, there's, most of you probably talked about, or there's the last one, which is like God's love. So there's these different loves. And it's, what I find interesting is that we can almost define every love. We can define a romantic love, a brotherly love parental love, we can define those, but actually when I talk to most people, people can't define the love of God. And it's really heartbreaking. Because the thing that we're actually made for is the love of God, and we don't even know what it is. So, what is love? I'm going to have three points today. And the, the beautiful thing about what I think about this message is that it applies to everyone. If you're a very, you could call yourself a mature Christian, you can learn from this. If you're a, maybe a new Christian, you can learn from it. Or if you're not a Christian, you can learn from it. So don't tune me out yet. So my first point is you were made for love. You were made for love. Every single person on earth is made for love. doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't mean how, matter how mean they are. It doesn't matter how rude they are. It doesn't matter what they look like. Every single person is made for love. I'm going to give you some biblical... I'm going to give you some verses that will help you maybe think and make connections of why we're made for love, because I really think it's going to help us move along in our relationship with God, because that's ultimately why we're here to grow. And this is, I think, it, this, I, I learned this, pro, I mean, 
I've been going through this type of idea for probably a year and a half, two years, and it's changed my life. And I really think that if you grasp this, the love of God, that you were made for it, if you grasp it, it will change your entire life. You know in the Bible it talks about being a new creation? There's a reason why they call it a new creation, being born again, because you die to your old self. There's a reason why they say that. It's not just this like idea, like this, oh, that sounds cool, like I'm a new creation. No. When you get born again, when you receive this love of God, you're supposed to be a brand new creation. Brand new. Not looking like anything like you were before. So, let's get into it. First verse, Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Most of you have heard this verse. Most of you, some of you might know this verse. I've heard it before. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created him. Just give me a raise of hand. Maybe, who, who've, who's heard that verse before? A lot of you. We are made in God's image. But the problem is, is that, like with love, we don't even know what that means. I didn't. We're made in God's image. It's like, yeah, I feel important, but what does it actually mean? What does it mean that you're made in the image of God? It's a pretty big deal. It's a big deal. But sometimes we can just throw it around. So that's what we got to know, not in our head, but in our hearts, what it means. I want to help you. The Bible is going to help you explain why it's so important that we are made in the image of God. So the first thing we need to look at, Oh, let me go back. I'm sorry, I've got ahead of myself. So we were made in the image of God. When we think of image, we think of pictures. We think of what can we see. We think of like, just like our sight. We think of image. What does God look like? See, the problem is that God doesn't, he, he doesn't look like us. We're made in his image. So let me... Break it down a little bit, piece by piece for you. So what is God even like? What is he even like? Is God good? Is he bad? If we're made in his likeness, what is he even like? So John 4, 24. This is huge. God is spirit, John 4, 24. Is that going to go up there? Sweet. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. God is spirit. So I guess we need to wonder or ask the question, what makes humans humans? What makes man man? Well, whether you know it or not, you have three parts to your being. You have your body. You have your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and you have your spirit. And God is spirit. He's given us a spirit. So we're made in the very image, the spirit. That's what makes us like God. That's what makes us made in his image is because we have a spirit. We're unique. We're not like dogs, cats, gorillas, bears. They have bodies and they have souls, but they don't have spirit. That's what makes us unique. That's what makes us God's chosen because we have spirits. And just to let you know, you're a pretty big deal, every single one of you, because God has actually chosen you because you're here. This means you're chosen. That's a whole other message in of itself. 
So God is spirit. We have a spirit. So our spirit is actually what makes us like God. But just because you have a spirit doesn't mean that you're godly. Everyone has a spirit. So that's what makes us in the very image of God. Let's look at something else. Let's look at another attribute you could say of God. It's 1 John 4, 8. He who does not love does not know God because God is love. So God is spirit. God is love. Here's the issue, though. We don't even know what love is. And if God is love, but we don't know what love is, you see the problem? And this is something that you struggle with. It doesn't matter if you grew up in church or not, because I'll tell you why. We have a vacancy in our heart. We have a spot in our heart that's only meant for the love of God. It's the only thing it's meant for. And it's actually our whole heart. It's our whole spirit. It's our whole being. It's made to be a home for the love of God. But the problem is, is we don't know what love is, so we go out in this world and we start looking for love in all the wrong places. Relationships. Come on. If you, who remembers in middle school, you tell your boyfriend or your girlfriend, I love you. Come on. This is, it's real life. I was there. Brotherly love. So we go and we have this vacancy in our heart that's only meant for the love of God. But we try to fill it with these things from the world. So we go to relationship to relationship to relationship. We go from here to here, where we belong. We want, I want to belong. I want to feel love, so I'm going to go over here. Then they stop loving me, so I'm going to come over here. Oh, this is just, is not cut, cutting it for me, so I'm going to go somewhere else where I am loved. And then we get a bunch of leapfrogs jumping around, looking for love, looking for love, looking for love. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? The problem is we're trained by the world from the time that we're infants to the time that we grow. Every stage of life, we're trained by the world and what love is. And we're taught totally the wrong thing because when we start filtering our perspective of the Bible and of God from our experiences in life. So then somebody comes up and tells us, you know, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And that doesn't even mean anything to you because you know what? You don't even know what love is because your, your boyfriend told you he loved you, but then he cheated on you. Your girlfriend told you she loved you, but then she dumped you. So is God going to dump me? So we're taught from the world what love is, and it's nothing what God's love. It's not God's love. But the problem is we start filtering our lives through our experiences and our hurts. It's an epidemic in the world because we are made for it. Every fiber of your very being cries out for the love of God. Every fiber. If you don't even know it, it's true because you look for love. You look for it everywhere. We all do. The reality is, is God has designed it for him. His love himself. It's what you're made for. It's why we're here. It's what we're purposed for. So I like to think of it, like I said, I'm kind of goofy. Sorry. So I like to think of like those puzzles, you know, like not like a, you know, like a thousand piece puzzle, but the baby, like three-year-old puzzles, you know? You know, the ones like with the farm animals, and like the barns. <laughs> and I, I should have put a picture up. That would have been way better. So each, each shape has a piece that's designed for it. Right? It's designed for it. 
That's how it is with our hearts. There's a peace in our heart. It's actually our whole spirit. It's actually our whole heart. It's our whole being. God's love is meant for it. But the problem is we go, we go to the horse, try to put it in the chicken spot. Doesn't work. We try to go to the pig. Nope, doesn't work. We're not satisfied, but we keep trying different things to try to fill this hole, to try to fill this thing. We keep trying different things. We go to church. We even go to church because guess what? They love, they, they accept me. But the problem is, is that someday we're going to mess up. And guess what? You might feel hurt. And what are you going to do? Run away, go to a different church? But guess what? They're going to do the same thing because we're not perfect. You were never meant to receive the love of God from church. You are meant to receive the love of God from God. Amen. You can feel it. You can, you can receive the love of God from people because, and that's actually, a, you can receive it from people because people can actually have the love of God and flow in it. And actually, you, the love of God can flow through people, but it can never be sustained from people. It has to be sustained by the Holy Spirit and by God. So, this problem is, is that we have the worldly love, the earthly love, the carnal love has strings. Everything is attached to a string. Every form of love is attached to a string. What's in it for me? I love you, babe. Won't you just tell me you love me too? I need you. And actually, the most common form of love that we ever experience is actually more of a need. I need you so that I can feel this thing in my heart. Strings. Oh, yeah, I'll help you. I'll scratch my back. I'll scratch yours. You see this worldly love that we grew up with? We're trained by the world. There's actually a verse in Proverbs 14. It says, I don't have it up there. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. There's a way that seems right to us. I love you. Do you? We're gonna find it. Real, we're gonna find out really quick what love, what God's love really looks like. My next point. Let's see what love looks like. Love looks like Jesus. If you want to know what love looks like, go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You can look at the whole Bible. The whole Bible proclaims the name of Jesus. Come on, everyone. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Look at what Jesus does when he's in the flesh. We'll look at one story today in particular, but man, did he love. Not like our love, but he loved. Anyone ever been to a wedding? First Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Man. I want you to take a moment, and I'm not going to read this. I will, but I want you to read it first, just in, by yourself. Just on your own. But don't just skim it, read it. Look at what love looks like. Look at it. And then compare it to your experience with love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. We look over that one a lot, don't we? It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Hmm. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That hasn't even come close. 
that doesn't even come close to our experiences with love. Some of us might have grown up in a home where we felt this kind of love from our parents, but let's be real, a lot of, ki- a lot of kids, a lot of people don't grow up in homes that they receive the love like this from their parents. And so then, then what? I'm going to read this again. Love is patient. Hmm. Just be patient with me, sorry. Love is kind. (laughs) Kind, it's very, okay. If this is convicting you, it's okay. That means something good's happened. You can never grow while you're comfortable. The only way to grow is if it hurts. That's the only way to grow. I work out sometimes. I took a little break. (laughs) Abby's laughing because she's like, you're lazy. What are you talking about? I work out where I used to work out a lot when I was like in college playing basketball. But the only way to grow is if it hurts. That's why guys work out together because we don't want to be shown up, so we just push through the pain. We just push through it because it hurts sometimes. So if this hurts you, if you feel in your heart, wow, like I'm not very patient. Wow, I've been told that I'm not very kind. It's okay. It's good. It's good that you're like feeling a little like, ah, like he needs to stop talking about this. I'm going to keep talking about it though. It does not envy. That means jealousy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. This is a huge one. Huge. It is not self-seeking. Self-seeking. What's in it for me? That string. Come on. Come on, what's in it for me? There's no strings. Josie, I didn't even see you there. How you doing, man? Yeah, I haven't seen you in like a year, dude. Good to see you, bro. Shoot, Josie, what the heck? You distracted me. Oh, it is not self-seeking, the strings. There's no strings. It It doesn't even think about itself. It only thinks about others, 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 others. Huh, sounds familiar. Something like Jesus did or something. (laughs) It keeps no record of wrong. I went to Grace Bible College, right? Any Grace Biblers? Come on, I see you, Beth. Jordan. Josie. Christy. Good to see you. So at Grace Bible, I remember this one, like we had like small groups. So we had like a small group. We were talking about forgiveness. And they kept saying, you know, like, you can forgive someone without, the topic was forgiveness. You can forgive someone, but still kind of hold it against them. And it was like in the right heart. And they, they probably articulated it a little bit nicer than that. But that was the gist of what I got from it. Like, you can forgive someone but still not be okay with that person. Does that make sense? Like, you can forgive them, but you're not going to, like, hang out with them anymore. Like, if they do something really wrong to you, you're like, you know what, you did that, it was wrong. I'm just not going to hang out with you anymore. But you still kind of hold that bitterness in your heart. That's what I got from it. But love, look at, think about this. Think about if God did that to us. Isn't Jesus our example? Think about if he did that to us and he said, you know what? Oh, that really hurt. You said you loved me, but then you did that. You keep sinning. Oh, I thought you said you loved me. Oh, I guess, uh, mm, let me go ask God. God, can I forgive? Oh, yeah, we forgive you, but, you know, we're not going to be, like, tight anymore. No, think, God doesn't do that. No, he says it keeps no record of wrongs. It means once you, once you repent, it's like gone. It says, thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. Gone. Gone. Always hope. So if you struggle with your past, sorry, if you struggle with your past, all you need is just God's love because he'll erase it from you because he actually will just invade your heart and you won't even think about your past because you'll be so consumed by the love and and what he thinks about you because he actually loves you a lot. Okay, I need to get rolling here. 
always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love perseveres. Let's see an example in the Bible. I don't know. Do you have John 20, 19? If not, it's okay. I'll just read it. John 20, 19. So this is Jesus after he raises from the dead. He's, with, he's like going to his disciples, right? Going over to his disciples. He shows up after he raises from the dead. Backstory. Remember, if you ever heard a story about Jesus, he was performing all these miracles, and he had these 12 disciples who followed him everywhere, everywhere, seeing these miracles and seeing all these amazing things that God is doing, that Jesus was doing. And they said, Lord, we love you. We'll die for you. We'll die for you. We'll die for you. And then Jesus, when he's crucified, he's on the cross. No one's there besides two women. Shout out to the woman. Their faith. This is John 20, 19. This is after Jesus is resurrected. And let's listen to what these disciples, the people who are closest to Jesus, his very best friends. Let's see what that they, had to, they were doing. John 20, 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Fear of the Jews. They were afraid, guys. They were terrified of the Jews. Even after they saw everything that Jesus did, after they heard what he said, he said, don't worry, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. He promised them. He told them. Fear of the Jews. They were fearing because there was like riots and, and the Jews were trying to find them and kill them. So they were hiding. Hiding. Then Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. See, Jesus didn't say, oh, guys, I told you I was coming back. I told you, why didn't you just listen to me? I told you. No, he just says, peace be with you. Interesting. He doesn't revisit their mistakes. He doesn't go to Peter and say, Peter, I thought you said you'd die for me. Good one. <laughs> I heard you three times. And then the rooster crow, just like I told you. I even warned you that you were going to betray me, and you still betrayed me. I tried to help you. No, he says, peace be with you. When he said this, listen how patient he is here. Listen to how patient God is. It's not enough that Jesus just showed up in the midst. It doesn't say he walked in the door. It says Jesus sh showed up. Like, that'd be pretty incredible. <laughs> showed up. Listen to how patient, patient he is, though. He said he showed them his hands as if appearing out of nowhere wasn't enough. <laughs> Love is patient. He said he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. Love is not self-seeking. It keeps no record of wrong. It keeps no record of wrong. Jesus had every right to be upset, offended, angry at his disciples. But Jesus says, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Why would Jesus do this? These are the 12 guys that were hiding. Hiding. And he wants to send them? Really, Jesus? Couldn't you find some more devout Christians, some more Christians who had their ducks in a row? No, he just takes you and he says, wow. He says, I see great potential in you. If only you had the love of God in your hearts. If only you had my love. If only you understood it. See, hope, love, hopes. It 
hopes. It sees the best in everything. That's what love does, and that's what Jesus is doing to his disciples. Their resume was not very good. The disciples were hiding, afraid. But Jesus saw the best in them. He saw their potential. He didn't see them for as they were. He saw them for what they could be if they only had that void in their heart filled with the love of God. And that's the same way that he is today. When he sees you, he says, I don't, if you don't have your ducks in a row, if you don't have it all together, he says, I don't care. He says, I see you and you and you and you. And he says, wow. I see so much potential in you. If only you knew this love that I have for you, it would change everything. That's what he's saying. If only you knew. So love looks like Jesus, no strings. No strings. There's no strings attached. He doesn't require anything of you. The only thing he requires of you is to simply believe. To believe that Jesus paid it all. So what is love? Love looks like Jesus. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates his own love toward us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, a lot of people take this verse and they say, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. No, while you were sinners, were, past tense, fourth grade, past tense, that's what I taught. Were is past tense, meaning like was, like used to be, not anymore. While you were sinners, Christ died for you. So how do we determine the value of something? We just, Abby, Abby and I were car shopping. Golly, we have any car dealers here? Yeah, you're not raising your hands. <laughs> you don't want to identify yourself. I'm just kidding. So we were looking for cars, and we were getting, I'm not, where's, is Nick, where's Nick? Nick Mayo. See, if you ever want to get a deal, go to Nick. He trains people on how to get people their lowest price possible. He tried with me, but it doesn't work because I'm just too, I don't know. I don't like awkward situations, so like when he tells me just to don't talk and just like sit there and look at them. I can't do that. He says one time he looked at, he just, he, he was like buying something and he just looked at them for like, Three minutes, it's not saying anything. It was just silent. But he got like 60% off, and I'm like, okay. I guess I can try, but I might start laughing. Anyways, so how do we determine the value of something? We determine the value of something by how much you pay for it. Something that's worth five bucks, you're not going to pay 20 bucks for it because of Amazon Prime, free shipping, holla. You're not going to pay for it. If you go to this Best Buy, they have this smoking deal where it's like, if you find anything online, the same product will give you that price. So whenever I go to Best Buy, when I'm buying something, I'll go like, look at my phone, like, can I find a lower price? Ding, got it. Boom. Okay, you saved five bucks. We, the value of something is determined by how much you pay for it. Do you realize how much was paid for you? Heaven went bankrupt. Heaven went bankrupt to get you. Just you. If you were the only one, he still would have done it. He went bankrupt. God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. 
So our love, our worth is not determined by our circumstances. It's determined by the fact that through it all, through our sin, through our rebellion, Jesus says, you're worth it. Through it all, through our sin, through our rebellion, corruptness, he said, they're worth it. So he sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life, born of a virgin. Just think about that for a sec. Come on. Born of a virgin. The Holy Spirit, this is pretty raw, impregnated Mary. You can laugh. It's, I mean, there's a kind of like, what? He is man in God, lived a perfect life, but he experienced every temptation that we ever could have faced. But he never sinned. He never sinned once. And then he went to the cross. He went to the cross and he endured getting beaten. It says to the Bible he was unrecognizable as a man. That If you saw him, you would say, what is that? Because they beat him so bad. Maybe he was unrecognizable. Maybe he became unrecognizable so that we could recognize who we actually are. Think about it. I'm going to say it again. Maybe he was beaten so bad to being unrecognizable. Why did he do it? It's because when sin got hold of our hearts, we were unrecognizable. We are never who we were supposed to be. So Jesus had to become unrecognizable so that we could be recognized by our Father again. Come on. That's why he paid a high price for us, guys. The highest price, his own life, just to get you back. Just to get you back. Not so that you could say, you know, yeah, I love, God, I love you, God, I love you. Yeah, get, get me to heaven, get me to heaven. But I'm going to live like hell while I'm on earth. No. He came to get you back. So your life could be transformed. New creation. Old has gone. New has come. You're free. You're free from yourself. That's a big one. I'll talk about that one later. So he paid a high price for us. He paid a high price, but some of you might be wondering... Yeah, I understand, like, God loves me. I understand that God loves me, like, in my head. Yeah, people have told me, my grandma told me that God loved me. But, like, it's not changing my life. So the question, next question is, how do we receive the love of God? How do I fill that vacancy, that void in our spirit, Everyone has a spirit. How do I fill that void in my spirit with the love of God? Isn't that our whole purpose? That's our purpose. That's why we're alive, so that God can put his love where it belongs. So my third and final point. Love comes from the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about I'm going to talk about a story with Peter. I'm going to try to move through it quickly because I'm running low on time. So you need to pay close attention. So love comes from the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about two different kinds of love that the Bible talks about. The Bible refers to you. So when you read the Bible, you're going to see two different kinds of love. It's going to still be love, but you've got to know the different meanings behind the love. The first kind of love is called agape love. Raise your hand if you've heard of agape love before. Good. Do you have the definition of agape? Cool. <laughs> That's okay. No worries. Agape. I have it for you. Listen closely. This is, this is the most beautiful definition of love I've ever heard. The most beautiful. 
the unconditional love of God, the unconditional love God has for the world, an undefeatable benevolence, an unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what he or she does. It is the self-giving love that loves freely without asking anything in return and does not consider the worth of its object. It is love by choice. You could say it's the will. It's like our choice. The next type of love is, I always say this, phileo, phileo. Phileo, thank you, Kurt. Phileo, raise your hand if you've heard of phileo. Raise your hand if you've heard of Philadelphia. <laughs> City of brotherly love. That's what phileo means. To be fond of, care for, affectionately, cherish, take pleasure in, have personal attachment for it is love by chance. It is the emotion. That's like the emotion of love. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna really go through this quickly. So in John 20, 22, this is Peter, this is Jesus speaking to Peter. And he says, okay, then Jesus, he breathed on them, which was disciples, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Follow me here. So a lot of scholars, biblical scholars, believe that, excuse me, this is the point where the disciples became saved. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit is our, it secures our salvation. It's the seal. This is what scholars believe and what I believe also, that where they became saved. So Peter, we're focusing on Peter. Peter became saved at this point. He's saved. Then let's go a chapter later, John 21, 15 through 17. This is after Jesus has been risen from the dead, and you, most of you have heard this story, so I'm going to go through it fast. After, oh, I'm sorry. But before we do it, we're going to focus on the different kinds of love. We're going to go back to agape and phileo, agape, phileo. So instead of saying the actual word love, I'm going to replace it with agape or phileo, okay? Follow me. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than these? So do you love me, that unconditional love, more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I phileo you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I phileo you. Like that brotherly love. Yeah, Jesus, you know I care for you. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Peter was, this is how I know. Peter didn't have the love of God. Listen to this. Peter was hurt. He was offended by Jesus asking him a third time. Agape love does not take offense. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I phileo you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. This is my point. This is right after he was saved, right? So Peter, or Peter was saved. Our love is limited to phileo love until we can receive the agape love from God or from the Holy Spirit. It's impossible for you to agape love unless that agape love is inside of you. So let's go on further. So in Acts 2, I'm going to go through quick, sorry. Acts 2, this is day of Pentecost. The disciples and more people than that were up in the upper room, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's a sermon in and of itself. Meaning they had this experience with the Holy Spirit that changed everything. The experience with God that changed everything. And then let's go to Acts 4.8. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus breathed on him, and then now he says, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to him, rulers and elders of our people. He just went on to preach the gospel because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So 
In John, Peter was limited to phileo love. In the book of John, Peter was limited to phileo love because he did not have that encounter with God, that, ex- that time with the Holy Spirit, that it, the Holy Spirit could really start to put that love of God in his heart. So let's go on to 1 Peter 6 through 8. And I believe that the part that I actually want is cut off in the, what I gave you. <laughs> so you're going to have to stick with me here. And I'm just going to skip to verse 8 for time's sake. So this is Peter talking to the church about persecution for their faith. He says, you love, yeah, you love, this is agape love. This is agape love. So now he changed from using phileo love to agape love. Interesting. You love him even though you have never seen him. Talking about Jesus. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious and expressible joy. All that to tell you that the Holy Spirit revealed the agape love to Peter. And he actually could not even offer that agape love until he had that experience with the Holy Spirit, with God, that transformed his life. And the same is true for you, the same is true for me. The only way for us to get that love, to fill that void inside of our hearts, is for us to get on our knees, go in our secret place, go to a place where no one's around, and say, God, this takes humility, guys. Because we have these preconceived ideas in our head of what a Christian looks like. And sadly, this isn't it. The only way for you to receive the agape love in your heart is to get in your room, or maybe it's, I don't know where it's at. God can do it anywhere, but you have to humble your heart and say, God, I have no idea what love looks like. The only way for me to know what love looks like is for you to show me. So God, show me. Show me. I have no idea. I'm so lost. I've been trained by the world. I've been beat up. I'm hurt. I'm depressed. God, show me what love is. And and the thing is, is you'll never get it coming from my voice. My voice, I can tell you God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. But guess what? Until you go in your room, until you get in the word, until you humble yourself before God and the Holy Spirit and say, teach me. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. It talks about that in the word. He is our teacher. He teaches us all things. So until we get there and say, God, teach me. Holy Spirit, teach me. I have no idea. My heart... I'm fitting all these wrong puzzles in my heart, all these wrong pieces in my heart. And it's not fitting, God. It's not fitting. I'm not fulfilled. It's because you're not. The only way is to get in your room, lock the door, and be real with God. To be real. No more fake. God, thank you. You I'm all about like praying, but God wants genuine hearts. He wants genuine, genuine hearts. So that's my challenge. It's my challenge to all of us. I hope you got a lot from this. I hope you realize that you were made for the love of God. I hope you realize that Jesus is what love looks like. And I hope you realize that God is fighting for your heart. He's fighting for you. Here's the deal, though. You know that puzzle piece I talked about, that puzzle? All the love that we have experienced and the hurts and the pain that we've experienced puts a cover over that place. And until, and the the thing that lifts that covering that allows God and the Holy Spirit to minister that love into you, to give that love to you, is humility. And that looks like getting, I'll say it again because it's important, Getting in your room when no one's looking and 
to be honest with God and say, God, I've been trained by the world and I have no idea what love looks like. Show me who I am. Show me how much you love me, God. Because if that gets a hold of your heart, nothing can stop you. Nothing. Because guess what? That love starts transforming and you start becoming less worried about the world and more worried about your father. And you start becoming a vessel that destroys hell for a living. And the thing is, is that you can't do it from coming to church. Church is a great place. I'm not saying don't leave. Come back. We don't want you to leave. What I'm saying is, <laughs> I'm not getting off to a good start. Don't. No. What I'm saying is, this is a great place. This is where we're supposed to build each other up, encourage each other. This is good feeding, but guess what? It's not meant to be your only feeding. How many times do you eat? You eat three times a day, man. I eat like five times a day. <laughs> no, but like, this is your only feeding, like, God wants to give you that love every day, every moment. God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He never leaves you. So that love that we talk about, that the Holy Spirit reveals to you, is just pouring into you all day, all day, no matter what. All of a sudden, somebody that you say, somebody comes and, like, does something that might have hurt you in the past, all of a sudden you've got this love of God in your heart, guess what? Oh, man, don't worry about it, like, I don't seek my own. <laughs> I keep no record of wrong. Or God doesn't, so I don't. Because this love will possess your heart. It will possess you. And you won't look anything like you were when you lived in the flesh. So, I probably could talk for like another hour, but I guess I'll be done. I'm already over by nine minutes. <laughs> so, I really hope that you were encouraged by this. And I really, really hope that you take the challenge of going home. And even if you do know what the love of God is, guess what? There's always more. We never reach the end. There's always more. There's always more. There's always more. So go home. Lock the door. And do it. Say, God, I... I need to know what this love is about. God, I'm hurting. I need to know what this love is about. Take the challenge. Do it. I promise you, if you come with a humble heart, you will not be disappointed. You'll come out of that room and you'll be, un you'll be what was that? Because the Holy Spirit, he'll, he'll just oh, he'll pour into you and you'll start realizing things about yourself you never thought. Do it. Do it. <laughs> that was for you, Nick, wherever you are. So I'm just going to pray um, to close out here. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Thank you that that proves our worth. It proves your love for us. Help us not to look to anything else to define how much we're loved, but we only look to you every day, every moment, God. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you do a work in the hearts of every single person here, that they start to realize how much God loves them. And that they would know, and not in their heads, but in their hearts, they would know what the love of God is. That it's not something with a string. It's no strings. God, that the love of God is an all-consuming fire. It consumes our whole hearts. So God, give us more of that love. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're gonna teach us what love looks like so that we can teach the world what love looks like. I thank you, God, that you have promised us that you will never leave us nor forsake us. So God, do a work in the hearts of myself, do the work in the hearts of every single person here that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are loved by God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. They are loved by God. They don't need to do anything. They don't need their ducks in a row. They don't need their lives together. God says, just be you. I love you. Thank you, God, that you freed us. There's freedom in your love. So God, teach us, teach us, and teach us. Help us, to, help us to call you, Holy Spirit, our only teacher. You, because you 
are the discerner of hearts. You teach us. So teach us more and more. I thank you, God, for the hearts of these people, God, that we, as a church, will shake this city with the love of God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to join us live, we meet every Thursday night at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Res Life in Granville, Michigan. Or you can watch us online at reslife.org slash live. You can also keep in touch with the Access Ministry on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Access RLC.